Good people and inhabitants of planet Earth, both foreign and domestic, welcome to the Dura Human Paradox. I am your host, Darius Riddick, and first, I would like to thank you once again for joining me. If this is if you are returning or if this is your first time, either way, it is much appreciated because you are only given a finite amount of years on Earth and this plane of existence and whatever that time frame may be is a mystery. However, you chose to spend a short period of it here with me building what is nominally the next stage of evolution for humankind. And for that, I am grateful. On this day in history, in 1970, Apollo 13 launches. And if you have any idea or semblance or have tracked what the Dura Human Paradox has been about up to this point, then you understand why that is significant. Since it began many years ago, and even further back than that, we've had this, this burning obsession with the way that human health interacts outside of Earth's atmosphere. Now, in order to understand how that occurs, we must first understand what is our main focus here on Earth and, and what drives our ability to do anything. What is the main, one of the main factors of human performance? Because obviously we've discussed it quite a few times. Human performance is this vast body of information, literature, theories, questions, and so many different paradoxical ideas that a normal person would get extremely overwhelmed and just pretend like it doesn't exist, come to a conclusion that may not be true, or wait for someone else to do it for them. However, our goal here is to take these ideas, these paradoxical theories and, and translate them, make them palatable for the average individual, because in theory, we wouldn't be able to get to the next stage without more people being on the same page. So why not give yourself the best possible chance of evolving by understanding the very machine that you utilize every single day? So our primary objective is understanding the main factors that affect human performance. And one of them that we really beat to death <laughs> in the Dura Human Paradox is this idea of skeletal muscle. Not just this idea, the enigma of skeletal muscle, which is just a short way of saying, how do we decrypt something that is so common? How do we take uh, a factor that is very obscure and decode it so someone can understand it? Because there's so many different machines, so many different mechanisms um, that there can't be one single blueprint. It would be absurd to assume that. However, there can be a foundation to it. And what we have learned through many years of research and many years of study, uh, both both practical, personal and professional, uh, I guess that'd be three, is there are certain things that you have to do in order to develop this idea of skeletal muscle, because skeletal muscle, as you all know, is what powers human locomotion without powering human locomotion. There can be no movement. So it only makes sense that if you optimize the thing that power or the things big, big, big T little s that power locomotion that one would have the the innate ability to uh, enhance everything attached to movement. So skeletal muscle is the focus. So in the past couple episodes, we talked about a few things that um, foster in an environment and specifically an anabolic environment. And those things, those four things that we mentioned were contractile forces, uh, a hormonal 
environment, nutrient sufficient and repair environments. Now, there's a couple more that we're going to add to that. But before we get there, I want to make sure that we have a clear understanding of what it is that we're trying to do. So we're going to take the time to talk about one of them first. And this episode is specifically dedicated to that one. Now, understand, and I will caveat with this, is that I am not giving anyone any recommendations. What I'm doing is giving you a tool and how you use that tool, whether ineffective or effective, is completely up to you. Because the great thing about a tool is it can be used in multiple ways and it's all depending on the willingness openness, imagination, and creativity of the user. That is you. So we provide the tool. You have to use it because instrumentation without implementation is just a surefire way to fail and waste your time. Um, So number one, right? We talk about developing this anabolic environment. And what that means is just biosynthesis, giving the body the best possible chances to develop skeletal muscle, regardless of what stage of life you are in. But the prevailing factor is that if you don't foster contractile environments, then you cannot develop skeletal muscle. It is physiologically impossible. And I don't think anyone understands how difficult that is for me to say, because personally, I do not speak in absolutes um, because there's always for every absolute that is spoken, there's always two theories coming along to challenge it. Right. But we have a great understanding of how this process physiologically occurs. And therefore, you have to understand that there is a foundation. There may not be a blueprint, but there is a starting point and contractile elements of the skeletal muscle govern its ability to not only repair, but to adapt to external energy demands and stimuli. So as we've covered up to this point, right? Muscles are all individual organs that are voluntary of the somatic system. Short words, that means you have control over them. Now, before we get kind of deep into this, I I will will caveat this with, this is unscripted. So for any of my other professionals out there that hear me make a mistake or that say something that may be off kilter, just feel free to hit me up and, and we can readdress it in another episode. Hell, we can even get on it together and and talk through it, even though I, I very, I'm very certain, fairly certain that that won't happen. But on the idea of the muscle being voluntary means that you have control over how it reacts to external stimulus, right? There are things that you don't have to think about and there are things that you directly have to think about. But the goal of the muscle for development at the cellular level is to is to perform a contraction. So repeating sequences of this contraction is what enables locomotive activity. And it's in it's in the most finite idea. It's what's known as the sliding filament theory. Now, because this isn't a physiology course, I won't go into the intricacies of the sliding filament theory. But just understand at if you were to take a, a muscle and peel it back, skeletal muscle, right? Because we know there's cardiac and skeletal, but take a skeletal muscle and you were to peel it back, you would see the different layers. You would go into the fibers, fascicles all the way down. And, but you eventually you get to a point where you couldn't see much else, but on the cellular level, there are these things called sarcomeres and sarcomeres, sarcomeres, sorry, (laughs) S-A-R-C-O-M-E-R-E have 
what's known as filaments, two of them, myosin and actin. And the, the sliding filament theory is the, the interaction of these filaments uh, sliding across each other. But what they're really doing is attaching and pulling on one another to produce, produce and release energy, right? But energy is needed to make this happen, which is one of the reasons why when someone dies, the muscle goes completely stiff because there is no energy to perform contractile forces. But <clears throat> their goal is to generate tension and enable contractile forces in the muscle. So whenever we speak of contractile forces, that is specifically what we are talking about. <clears throat> and this whole process is initiated by an action potential, a signal, if you will, that is propagated across an alpha motor neuron. We're not going to, like I said, we're not going to get into the physiology of this because it's, it's very, it's, it's not very complicated, but it's not something that everyone really needs to truly understand down to nitty gritty. But if you are that interested, I mean, bravo, it's probably worth looking up <laughs> um, because I definitely do shorten a lot of things just so it's understandable to everyone. But an action signal is is propagated down the alpha motor neuron across the synaptic junction um, and into the muscle fiber down into the sarcomere. So once that signal is received, it tells the muscle to contract everything that we basically talked about before. So the chief goal for one is to uh, ask themselves, how do I get more of those signals sent into the muscle in order to make it contract? Um, there are there are many ways one could do that. But but first, uh, we have to understand that that there's there's two things that that really have to happen. Um, one is understanding that if you don't use it, you lose it. So over time, muscle is going to atrophy it is going to wither away due to the natural aging process because cell proliferation slows down and eventually stops um, hormonal environments begin to diminish is the best way i can put that and this equates to less muscle fiber density and size, which equates to less muscle strength and power, which equates to less force production, which equates to less exercise capability and physical activity. I mean, they're all linked, right? I mean, it, it makes sense when you truly think about it. So the goal is to counterbalance that because it's going to happen at one point or another. You know, we talk about the peaks and the valleys. At some point, it's going to slow down. But your goal right now is to start with the greatest foundation you possibly can in order to minimize the effect in the long run. Now, this concept is fairly new in its adoption. But the beauty of it is, regardless of where you are right now, you have the ability to maximize the output of uh, skeletal muscle but it's 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 understanding the idea first of why it is so important um and number two is recognizing that it won't happen unless you make it happen everyone is going to develop skeletal muscle differently everyone's going to have different forces and genetic and environments and 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 different dietary habits and lifestyle habits that affect this whole idea of developing it. But if you don't actually perform actions that are going to promote contractile forces, then just forget about it. <laughs> it's not going to happen. And that happens 
And I will <laughs> I will fight this to the day I die. It's with resistance training. Resistance training is the only way one can promote muscular strength and development. You can run five, ten miles. And eventually, you know, your body adapt to it. Maybe, maybe not. And you'll get in great shape. But that won't give you muscular strength and power. There's only one type of exercise to do that. And this is not saying that uh, exercise relationship, that is. This is not saying that one should just strictly go be a juice bro and only do resistance training, skipping leg day, whatever you want to call it. But it's it's the, the recognition that these force demands only happen when you make external forces work against them. And that's through resistance training. There has to be some sort of load working against the muscle in order for it to adapt to a stimuli. So body weight exercises, just it, you might develop a small percentage, but it's not going to, again, the ultimate goal of developing it in the most effective way possible. So, <clears throat> That's just a short portion of it. But my job right now is going to be to not today not in this episode, but over the next couple episodes are is to is to uh, inform and teach and uh, guide on these ideas of uh, origin insertion of skeletal muscle leverage, gravity, uh, function, uh, starting length, cross bridge potential. Uh, cross action potentials and how these things help one develop the most skeletal muscle that they possibly can. Uh, and one thing that uh, I, I want to make very clear is that the understanding of basic anatomy in physiology is just the start but it's a great place to start because there are people humans that wake up every single day with this fascinating machine that carries out millions of functions from day to day and they don't even understand how it happens or why it happens or uh, or how certain things are able to happen without any catastrophic event. I mean, there are certain chemical mechanisms with and structural mechanisms within the body that if one molecule was off, I mean, it would cause a, a domino effect to everything else. And basically the body would implode. But why is it that these things don't happen? How are we able to go to the gym and and lift weights and run and develop skeletal muscle without there being uh, all things considered an issue? And I think when one I believe when one starts with understanding how their body responds, why it responds and what it responds to on just the basic level, then they can begin to make sense of this idea of self-optimization because it's, it's not as complicated as it may seem. In fact, when you take it one bit at a time to understand the basic way that things happen, it it becomes extremely simple. You just have to convince yourself why it's important to learn about your body. Um, 
And I believe that's going to be it for today. That's what we leave it at contractile forces. But if one were to take anything away from this or a few things away from this, it would be that one contractile forces only happen when you enable them. So resistance training, uh, physical activity, exercise. If one lives a sedentary lifestyle, you are allowing your body to directly atrophy with the natural aging process, meaning that eventually it'll be too late unless you do something right now. And what I mean by it'll be too late is death is guaranteed to everyone. But that doesn't mean that the quality of life has to suffer. And whether you're 15, 25, 35, 45, 55, or 65, it is never too late to optimize the machine that one was blessed with. Something else I would say to take away is that everyone has a different way of doing this. But it is a clear understanding amongst many performance professionals that there are there is a foundation. And because of that foundation, we are able to provide tools. The tools aren't a recommendation. The tools are are a gift. And <laughs> they're they're how and how you use them. Is your choice, whether that be to set them down and to leave them there and pretend like they don't exist or to grab them and use them and implement them or a, or, or to completely ignore everything and choose how you want to do it in your manner. That's perfectly fine, right? Because one's life is their own to live. But, but one thing's guaranteed is instrumentation without implementation is a surefire way to lead to catastrophe. So, I don't say that to scare anyone. I don't say that to instill a fear tactic. I say that because it's been proven true. But everyone, every human has the ability to change that. Now, and until next time in the next episode, when we talk about hormonal environments, stay durable, my friends. <laughs>